Well, there's every indication around us that we're entered into the uh, most wonderful and beautiful season of all for most of us as we celebrate that, and that's the uh, season of um, giving gifts and receiving gifts, right? Uh, it's a time where you're busy uh, making a list of uh, the gifts you're going to buy or make for those people that um, you love and treasure and want to give to, or it's the time that you're busy making the list of gifts that you want, right? It's a time of gift giving. Uh, I like the uh, illustration from the Family Circus cartoon, Little Billy, uh, writing his list, and he finally looks up at his mother and says, Mommy, wouldn't it be easier if I just made a list of what I don't want for Christmas? That might be the easiest thing to do. There were two guys out playing golf, and one of them asked the other one, said, you got your uh, shopping done? He said, no. But he said, I know what I'm getting from my wife, same thing she gives me every Christmas. And his friend said, what's that? And he said, a list of the things that she wants for Christmas. One guy talked about his childhood growing up. He said his father was so tight at Christmas, one time he got a package of batteries wrapped up with a note on it that said, toys not included. Well, the, um, the official shopping time has begun because Black uh, Friday and Cyber Monday are now behind us, and they were both rousing success with the money that was spent. Consumer uh, um, confidence in the market and the economy is at an all-time high, and everybody's expected to spend an average of $967 this year, which is a 3% increase over last year. Last year on Cyber Monday, that's the Monday after Thanksgiving with all the e-line uh, shopping, e-commerce, set a record of $3.45 billion spent. This year on Cyber Monday 2017, shoppers spent $6.59 billion. In fact, by 10 o'clock that Monday morning, $840 million had been spent. The term Cyber Monday was a brainchild coined by Ellen Davis and Scott Silverman on November 28, 2005, and it was designed uh, to market uh, online. People would be gone during the Thanksgiving holidays, maybe they couldn't uh, participate uh, in the uh, Black Friday shopping, so that when they got back on Cyber Monday, they could shop to their heart's content, and it's been a great, a great boom for the economy ever since. But that's not really, I've said all that tongue-in-cheek about this being the wonderful time of forgiving and the emphasis on it. But I will say to you, with all the different means now for being able to buy, you can buy online, you can sit at home, do your shopping there. A lot of you do that. So two words to you, be cautious and be careful. The typical American spends 40% more than he or she makes during the month of December, and come March, one-third of all bankruptcies uh, that are filed are citing holiday spent overspending as reason for that. And then one more thought. Before you click proceed to checkout, whenever you're going to buy something online, remember this. Americans return $70 billion worth of gifts every Christmas. $70 billion worth of gifts are returned every Christmas. You want to put that into perspective? That is $35 million every year dating from the birth of Jesus Christ. So is it really the time of focusing upon gifts and gift giving and making your list and making a wish and all that? Absolutely not. But when we do come to think about gift giving, there's some guidelines. We need to think about the recipient to whom we're going to give. We need to think about the value of the gift we're going to give. We need to think about our motive about why we're giving. And we need to think about the usefulness of the gift that we're going to give. 
And the same thing is true when we focus upon this real reason, and that of, of celebrating uh, the Christmas season, and that is the gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. Everything that we're going to do during this Christmas season of celebrating here is going to focus on the birth of Jesus Christ. So today I want us to examine God's gifts to us and consider the value of God's gift. And our scripture today does not come from what you probably would consider normal scripture for the Christmas stories. Not out of Matthew, it's not out of Luke. But it's going to come out of 1 John 4, verses 9 through 16. So look, listen along, follow on your phone app or the scripture on the screen. But this really describes for us the essence of God's giving to us the Christmas gift in Jesus Christ. John writes and he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one had ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now that's a profound passage of Scripture that talks to us about the whole reason that we can celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ. And it's about the fact that God loved us first and sent his son. And by that, we are able to love God because God loved us first. And we look at the gift, and the scripture tells us here very clearly that the gift that we celebrate is not a thing, but it's a person. And that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's the Son of God who became flesh and who was born over 2,000 years ago in the Mideast. And sometimes there are those who still ask the question today, 2,000 years later, what's the big deal about this child that was born 2,000 years ago in a manger to a peasant family and all the music that's written by, uh, for him and sometimes all these cheesy uh, movies that we see. You know, there are over 4 million babies born every year in our country alone. And so we think, what, what is so significant about this child whose birth we celebrate? What's so valuable about this gift that God gave to us in Jesus Christ? Well, there are many different ways you can measure the value of a gift. And I want us to look at this gift that God gave to us. And look at three ways that we can value God's gift as we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ. First of all, the value of God's gift is measured by motive. You know, I guess we've, we've all received a gift sometime and we've questioned the motive behind the gift. Now, why in the world did she give me this? Or why did he give me this? And there are a lot of different motives that people use for their giving. You see, it really doesn't matter how costly a valuable price-wise the gift might be, if the motive behind it somehow is questioned. 
You know, somebody could be motivated by guilt or obligation to give a gift. You could be motivated by a desire for others to see how generous you are or how wealthy you are and how much money you could spend. Or you might want to give a gift that shows what great taste you have. And I think somehow all those motives tarnish the value of the gift. In our scripture today, when we think about the gift of Jesus Christ, John tells us very clearly that there was one pure motive behind God's gift, and it was love. John writes and says, this is how God showed his love among us. And then he says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So the birth of Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the love of our Heavenly Father for us. In fact, we look at verse 19 later on, and John reminds us that we love because he first loved us. When we read the Bible, and we look all the way through the Bible, there, there are many different reasons spelled out as, as to why God sent Jesus in, into this world. He, he sent him to reveal God's nature. And it's particular if you read the, uh, the book of Colossians, you will find that there's a great deal of emphasis placed upon who Jesus is, that he is the exact representation, the full embodiment of God, the Fatherhead. You read John 1, and it tells us that this is God who came in flesh, and we beheld his grace and his glory. So Jesus came to reveal to us something about the nature of God. We also know that uh, God sent Jesus into this world uh, to accomplish salvation for us. It's the only way that we could experience salvation. God sent Jesus Christ into the world. We also know that, that God sent Jesus into the world to glorify him and to bring about God's glory and to make that known. But all of those reasons are really summarized in the one main specific reason as to why God gave us the gift of Jesus Christ. And that's because he loves us. John makes that very, very clear. The motivation behind God's giving us Jesus Christ is his love for us. Today we lit the candle, the Advent candle of love. And Connor in both services shared two passages of Scripture that continue to remind us about that love out of Jeremiah. I have loved you, God says, with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. See, God's love for you is an everlasting love. Before the, you were created, God loved you, and he loves you today. He loved you in spite of your sin, and he sent Jesus Christ into the world. John 3.16 reminds us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There's only one pure motivation that God had in sending Jesus, and that was his love that he had for you and for me and for everyone. I hadn't read anything by Max Lucado in a while, and I picked up something, a devotion book uh, that I'm going to read during, during the Christmas season. And I was reminded of something that he wrote in one of his other books uh, about God's love for us. And I love the way he put it. If you read this book, you might remember the way he described that. He said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk to him, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent to you in Bethlehem? Face it, friend, he 
he's crazy about you. Isn't that a neat way to put it? Bottom line is that God knows everything about us. He knew everything about you and me and the depth of our sin. And he sent his son Jesus Christ because of his love for us. And all of that is wrapped up in the birth of Jesus Christ as we celebrate his birth once again. In spite of all of our sin, all of our failures, all of our shortcomings, our rebellion against God, our lack of love for God, God loved us and that motivation sent Jesus Christ to us. And we should value the gift of Jesus because it's motivated by God's love. Then there's a second thing I think that John tells us about the value of God's gift. And that is that it's measured in the cost. You know, there are a lot of different ways we can measure the cost of a gift. It can be measured in how much money you spend on it. If you make something for somebody, it can be measured on how much time you invested in making it. If you give somebody a treasured family heirloom. You know, that, that's a very valuable gift of, of family history uh, that really has no price tag on it. So there are a lot of different ways you can measure the value of gifts. So how do we measure the value of God's gift in Jesus Christ in terms of cost? Well, John says he sent his one and only son into the world. He sent his one and only son into the world. That was costly, wasn't it? There's a great theological word for that. Theologians call kenosis. It simply means the self-emptying. And it simply means for us when we understand the Scripture that God divested himself of his power and his royalty and his splendor and his position when he humbled himself in Jesus Christ and came to earth as a baby, as a human being. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus and describes him this way. He says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. You see, that self-emptying cost Jesus his position in heaven. He gave it up. He sacrificed that so that he could come to earth, wrapping himself in skin, being born from a peasant girl. And into the most meager of means, placed in a manger in the midst of the stench of dung and urine. That's the cost that it was for him to leave the royal splendor in the palace of heaven. John also says that God the Father sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, Jesus emptying himself of his position and his rights and coming to us in human form is certainly a costly move on his part. But that's not the ultimate cost of his coming to us as the gift that God gave to us. He came to fulfill the Father's will to bring salvation to us. And the only way he could do that was by giving his life. And back in Philippians 2 again in verse 8, the Apostle Paul goes on to describe that by saying, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We have to remember that throughout the Old Testament, there were always these animal sacrifices and the shedding of blood to atone for sin, and they were all inadequate. And there was only one, only one sacrifice that would be adequate 
to meet the demands of a righteous and holy God and grant to us the forgiveness of our sins. And that would be the sacrifice of a perfect sacrifice. And the only person that that could be would be Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And so that's why the angel said to Joseph, you should name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And while we celebrate the birth of Christ in this wonderful, beautiful season, we always have to remember that Jesus didn't bring about our salvation through his birth, but he did it through his death. See, at Christmas we celebrate his birth, but we also have to remember the purpose for which he came, and that was to be obedient to the Father's will. He was willing to pay the cost to empty himself of his royal splendor and to come in humility as God in the flesh. And then he was willing to go to the ultimate costly step of going to the cross in obedience to the will of God. Last night I had the privilege of conducting another uh, wedding. And I love to do weddings. And I especially love them in the, in the Christmas time. It was a church in Camden. It was decorated beautifully. And I chose this same passage of Scripture to use as a mini message that I give to the couple. Kind of my last words I say to them before they take their vows. And I talked to them about God's gift of love. And then I said, there are two things about this I want you to remember. And maybe the same thing is true for you today. That if you're going to have a marriage that lasts and it's going to be a flourishing marriage and you're going to enjoy being married and you're going to grow in your love, out of this passage of Scripture, you need to remember two things about love. Number one, love is costly. And we see that in the fact that it was costly in the fact that God gave up his son and that Jesus gave up his position. And so I said to them in marriage, how, how will love be costly? Well, you're going to go off on a beautiful honeymoon, but it won't be too long. And all of us who are married can attest to this, I'm sure, that uh, when you get back from that honeymoon, it won't be too long before the reality of being married finally hits you, right? And somehow that perfect person you married has little faults and little annoying habits and those kinds of things like that, right? And two people who are so opposite, male and female, coming together to be one, that's a difficult journey. And so that it costs you in the fact that you have to be loving and have to be kind and you have to be patient and you have to be forgiving. And I said, that will cost you your pride and your ego. And so you have to remember that. If we're going to love the way that God loves, it's going to be costly. And then the second thing I said is, is that love has to be a commitment. I think there's so many divorces today because people really do get, not get married making a commitment to love until death separates them. When we think about God's love for us, it was a love that was of a costly nature, the most costly that it could be that he gave his son and Jesus willingly came to earth in human form, and he willingly went to the cross. But God's love for you is a commitment. We read from Jeremiah that he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with cords of love. God's love for you is so costly that it is a commitment for eternity. He will love you for all eternity. Now, if you contemplate marriage, you need to think about that. Love is costly and love is a commitment. But when you think about this gift of Jesus Christ, think about the same thing. This gift of God is a costly love, and it's a love of commitment. We can be awed by the birth of Jesus Christ, God becoming a human being. 
But more than that is that this God in flesh went to the cross in a commitment to fulfill the Father's plan to bring about your salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. God's gift is a costly gift. I think the third value I think of God's gift is measured by its usefulness. Whenever you get a gift, sometimes they might be perplexing. You might look at it and you think, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Have you ever had one of those things? What is this? What am I supposed to do with this? How do I use it? You know, what value is it going to bring into my life? When we think about the usefulness of God's gift in Jesus Christ, John says here in verse 9 that we might live through him. You see, God's gift to Jesus Christ has the very practical value in that it gives us life. Not life that's physically, but he's talking about spiritual life. He's talking about eternal life. For later on in 1 John 5, God would write, John would write and say, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And Jesus went on to say in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that a wonderful gift that you have from God the Father when you receive Jesus Christ? You get a spiritual life, which means you have a relationship with God on a personal level. And more than that, you have an abundant life, Jesus says. Well, there's always that promise in a relationship with God of eternal life. And we look forward to that, anticipate that, spending eternity with God. But until we get there, God blesses us with an abundant life. And he blesses us with that abundant life in so many ways in this world. One of them is that he blesses us with gifts and talents and ability. And he puts a a sense of compassion within our heart when we understand that when we come to know God through Jesus Christ, that we have a purpose and a passion in life. It's the the gospel writer Paul who would also write in Ephesians 2.10 and say, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. What are the good works that we're supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to use our unique talents and gifts and abilities to do several things. We're supposed to bring glory to God in everything that we do. We're supposed to use our gifts and our talents in in helping other people. We serve, we minister, we teach, we do all kinds of things in the kingdom of God through the life of the church. And then we're to use the gospel story and the gifts that God has given to us to tell this gospel story to those who have not yet heard about God's gift of Jesus Christ. You see, we're God's workmanship created for good works. Because we have received the gift of life, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, God has given us the gift of His Son. We understand that His motive is purely out of love. We understand the cost that it cost God, uh, His only Son, and it cost Jesus His place. He came down to earth and He humbled Himself. And then we see the value of this gift that it gives us life, eternal life, and abundant life here. So what are you going to do with that gift this year? 
Some of you might be here today and you've gone through no time. How many Christmas seasons you've heard the story, but you've never yet committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never accepted him. You've never opened this gift. You've never valued this treasure that God has given to you. Statistics today tell us that during your Christmas shopping, about 40% of you are going to purchase a department store gift card for friends and family. And about 35% of you are going to opt for a restaurant gift card. Before you do that, let me tell you something. The average American home has over $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards just lying around. Now you might be thinking, oh, what did I do with that gift card I got from Aunt Sally last year, you know? What did I do with that gift card I got for my birthday? Well, that, you know, you might want to go home and start looking for those things, okay? And in just the recent years, 41 billion gift cards have gone, 41 billion dollars worth of gift cards have gone unused. Think about that before you give a gift card. But think about this. Look at God's gift. For over 2,000 years we have celebrated the birth of Christ. Well, we haven't celebrated for 2,000 years, but the Christian church has. But how many years have you celebrated the birth of Christ? And maybe you have not yet accepted that gift. It's just like one of these gift cards lying around somewhere that's been unredeemed. Look at the value of this gift for you. You have a personal relationship with God. You have the freedom of your sins being forgiven, and you find your spiritual gifts and you find your purpose in life. All wrapped up in the gift of Jesus Christ, God's love gift to you. So if you're not in a relationship with God, if you've never accepted this gift, I want to challenge you. Don't leave it around, lying around this year unused. Accept this gift of Jesus. Embrace this gift of Jesus. Accept God's gift of love because God has given you this love out of the depth of his love for you. And he wants you to experience life in its fullest. Father, we thank you today for the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love that you would send your only son into this world so that we, through Jesus Christ, might have a relationship with you and that we might have eternal life. Thank you for the abundant life that we celebrate now. Help us to claim that. And I pray, Father, for, for everyone here today who hears my voice as we go through this Christmas season, if there's anyone who has not yet accepted Christ, this wonderful gift from God, that they would do so today. Father, may your Holy Spirit move, open hearts and minds to the truth of this Scripture, and that they will come to accept Christ as Savior. Thank you, Father, for loving us, Thank you for the cost you invested in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.